0: Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fin's up. Here's Stephen, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is September 24th. I'm Stephen Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over a bit of notes in regards to Tua Tungovailoa's injury, and then right after that, we're going to dive into my preview of the game between the Miami Dolphins and the Las Vegas Raiders. So, To dive into Tua's injury, right now it's being reported that he has fractured ribs that are going to keep him out of this game. NFL Network is also reporting that there is a chance that he misses between one and three games because of this injury. So right now it's fractured ribs is what it says, that's plural, so it could be multiple. And a lot of people are very angry because there was that initial report that said he had x-rays and they came back negative. After that, it was said to be bruised ribs and he was day-to-day and people were mad when they heard that Uh, that he had fractured ribs. Some people are saying, is it a big conspiracy? How did it go from not fractured to fractured? And how did the x-rays turn out negative and now they're not? Well, guys, that is specifically why I included in the recap episode, uh, Brian Suter, the guy who does the YouTube analysis videos, he's a doctor. He does a very good job. And he included specifically that x-rays are not a good method to find fractured ribs. It's good to find displaced fractured ribs. So in that case you run the risk of having a collapsed lung or other issues like that but for finding a fractured rib they have to typically do tests involving you know checking for pain or sometimes sonograms and as a matter of fact 50 percent of fractured rib cases go undetected even with uh, x-rays that were done on the chest area. So again, not a big conspiracy here. I figure it's just some of that. that the, the ribs weren't uh, displaced in any sort of way, so they're still in that area, but there's probably some hairline type of fractures if I had to guess about what's happening there. So to get into the preview here, uh, the Miami Dolphins will be facing off against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas. It's a game on Sunday at 4.05 p.m. Eastern Time. So the Dolphins are of course coming off of one of their more disappointing performances in recent memory. They lost to the Buffalo Bills in their home opener by a score of 35-0. This was a game, again, where quarterback Tua Tungavailoa left after his second drive, sustaining that rib injury after a big hit. Jacoby Brissett then took over, but the offensive line was truly just a liability to the health of whoever was behind center for Miami in that game so the Raiders on the other hand are red hot coming off of two impressive wins that have many fans excited that their investments now in Derek Carr and in coach John Gruden they think it is finally paying off so we're going to begin here by taking a look at the Dolphins and we'll begin with the offensive side of the ball so to talk about the offense as a whole right now based on again a small sample size which includes a shutout against the Bills they have been struggling. They are currently 32nd, last place in points per game. They are 31st in yards per drive. In rushing yards, they are 27th. In passing yards, they are 30th. In sacks allowed, they are the fourth most. And in drop passes, they have the most in the NFL. The Dolphins offensively in this game will be led by quarterback Jacoby Brissett as, again, Tua will miss this game with the injury. Brissett is a six-year veteran and has some solid stints as a starting quarterback throughout his career, namely with the Indianapolis Colts. Back in 2019, he had his best season. He had 2,942 yards, 18 touchdowns, and six interceptions in that season with the Colts. He would finish the year seven and eight as the team starter. Now, last week, Brissett struggled. The offensive line again gave him absolutely nothing to work with, and it was evident in this game. Brissett was only two. For Six with one interception on passes that travel beyond 10 yards down the line of scrimmage. Now, teammates have been offering praise in regards to Jacoby Brissett. You have safety Eric Rose saying that he could be a starter on several different teams in this league. And then receiver Albert Wilson said that there won't be much of a drop-off from Tua to Brissett, which is, you know, a little bit controversial in some other type of ways. But overall, you have a ton of praise being directed at the backup quarterback here. Now last week. Week's game was just absolutely marred by that atrocious performance from the offensive line. It's been frequently said that in order for the rest of the offense to have any sort of success, the offensive line here would have to improve. Unfortunately for Dolphin fans, through two weeks, this group has regressed severely. A glimmer of hope here exists with rookie tackle Liam Eichenberg, who has been one of the more reliable players despite not having the experience. Eichenberg is now expected to be worked in as a permanent fixture for this offensive line, but it remains to be seen where. A report from Miami Heralds, Barry Jackson, stated that the team was torn between using him as a guard or as a tackle, and at practice this week, he was used at both positions. Now, there is a looming question here, and it's what will happen with tackle Austin Jackson. Jackson has been the weakest link in this group, and he truly is the biggest liability to whoever is the quarterback. Barry Jackson's report also mentioned that the Dolphins are discussing the potential of moving uh, Austin Jackson from the tackle to the guard position. The other option that was mentioned in that report was that the Dolphins were just going to give him another week at tackle just to see how things turn out and if he could turn things around. Now, regardless of whether he is at tackle or at guard, Jackson will have to have a significant rebound here if he wants to preserve his spot in this lineup at all. Now, now, tackle Jesse Davis was limited at practice after suffering an injury in last week's game. If Davis is unable to go, that will likely open the door for Robert Hunt to shift over to the tackle position for this game. De- uh, Davis is, of course, a veteran in this league, but despite that, he was absolutely abysmal last week as well. He was mentioned this week that he felt guilty over surrendering that hit that led to, to his injury, but overall, it was an unacceptable performance that a lot of people, you know, you have to expect more from a veteran in Jesse Davis. Now, we move on to the running back position here for Miami. It will be led again by Miles Gaskin. Gaskin still leads the Dolphins in touches, but he isn't dominating the volume the same way that he was last year. That could always change, but last week, Gaskin only had five carries, which was just as many as Malcolm Brown, and one fewer than Savon Ahmed. Last time the Dolphins faced the Raiders, Gaskin had a career day he would finish with 169 total yards, two touchdowns, including a game-saving 59-yard reception uh, where he was able to pick up a ton of yards after the catch. Now, to move on here to the receiver unit, it will feature the return of Will Fuller back to football. First time with the Dolphins this week. He left the team last week citing personal reasons, so this is, again, a very speedy element, a deep threat that the Dolphins have needed for some time. I've mentioned it pretty heavily so it's kind of the same stuff applies there. Miami's receivers though overall struggled last week having an uncharacteristic amount of drops. Albert Wilson had two drops while Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, and Savon Ahmed each all had a drop of their own. The Dolphins again currently lead the NFL in drop passes. Jalen Waddle had a productive outing last week. He led the team in receiving yards with a somewhat impressive modest 48 yards. At this current pace though this Puts Waddle in a position to finish with just over 900 yards this season again, a very small sample size, but it shows that Waddle is having a respectable immediate impact, currently third in the NFL in receiving among the rookies. Now, receiver Devontae Parker currently leads the Dolphins in receiving yards with 123, but there's some problems outside of these two guys because outside of Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle, the rest of the Dolphins wide receiver unit has managed to only pick up 22 yards which is absolutely nothing tight end Mike Gesicki has also been very quiet this season Gesicki, who has been struggling as a blocker has seen his role get slightly reduced because of that despite being regarded as a premier receiving tight end he has only managed three catches for 41 yards this season and all of those were last week So, we'll move on here to the defensive side of the ball for Miami, which remains the strength of the team for now, having decent performances that were slightly dependent on turnovers, but decent nonetheless. They are currently tied for fourth in the NFL in turnovers. They are still on the higher end of blitzing teams in the NFL. They rank third in the category with blitzes sent on 41% of plays. Now, despite that high blitz rate, though, uh, it isn't necessarily translated to a quality amount of pressure. The Dolphins have only amassed two sacks so far this season, which is 31st in the NFL, and their 5.3% of hurries per dropback is also in the bottom eight of teams in the league. They are currently allowing the fifth most rushing yards per game, and they have surrendered 18 first downs by rushing, which is the third most in the NFL. Their secondary, as expected, is one of the strongest areas of the team. They are allowing a completion percentage of 64% percent which is the seventh best in the league and only 6.4 yards per pass attempt which is the fifth best so good stats there. Cornerback Xavier Howard has created turnovers on back-to-back weeks proving that the Dolphins were wise to invest in him a little bit more. Last week Howard was targeted eight times resulting in only three completions and one interception. The Dolphins front will have to do something I think to improve their game. The team gave up a 35-yard run to the Patriots on the first play of week one and a 43-yard run to the Bills on the second play of last week. The Dolphins failed to record a tackle for a loss last week and are actually last in the NFL in that stat with only three tackles for a loss on the entire season. So while I do think the Dolphins have done a good job when it comes to kind of adjusting to stop for the run, it seems like they've given up a big play and then they're able to contain it a little bit after that. I've seen uh, people on Twitter Saying, well, if you remove you know that big run, then they only allow two yards per carry or three yards per carry. Well, part of stopping the run also includes preventing the big play. And if Miami is going to continuously give up the big play in the running game, I don't think it's necessarily fair to say, oh, if we subtract that every single week, they did a pretty good job. At some point, they're gonna have to do something to prevent the big play from happening to begin with. So we move on here to the Las Vegas Raiders and we'll begin with. the offensive side of the ball for them. The Raiders are first in the NFL in total yards per game, but at the same time, they are 31st in the NFL in rushing yards per game. Their 2.9 yards per carry is the worst in the league, showing how inefficient they are at rounding the ball, while also showing how dependent they are on the pass game. And I'm going to dive into a little bit more of that. The Raiders are led offensively by quarterback Derek Carr. Carr is an eight-year veteran and 3 times pro bowler Carr is off to a tremendous start so far this season he leads the nfl in passing yards by a pretty significant margin he has 817 the next closest guy to him is kyler murray with 687 he has also had to throw the ball the most times this season his 93 attempts so far this season are tied for the nfl lead with jared goff for overall just the most in football and overall when the team has needed him he has come down with some big plays, including that big touchdown to Zay Jones in the overtime matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Now to move on to the running back group, it's led by Josh Jacobs, who has amassed a thousand yards in his two previous seasons. Jacobs suffered an ankle injury that kept him out of the week two matchup versus Pittsburgh, and he is still unsure whether he's going to play in this game. Coach John Cruden said that Jacobs is, quote, very questionable leading up to this game. So overall, though, Jacobs is still struggling so far this season like the rest of the running game he has totaled 34 yards on 10 carries the other running backs here in this group is none other than former dolphin Kenyon drake and drake has produced pretty well since leaving miami mostly with arizona over the past two seasons he neared a thousand yards last season while not being the feature back for the duration of the season he is not off to a great start in his first year with las vegas he has totaled 20 yards rushing on 13 carries so far this season and he has been used primarily as the team's receiving back recording over 100 yards receiving on 10 catches now coach John Gruden apparently really loves running back Peyton Barber who led the team in carries last uh, last game while Jacobs was out Barber is a slower more powerful runner who failed to average three yards per carry last season Barber again also struggled recording only 32 yards on 13 carries last week so while I am Am digging pretty hard in the Raiders' inability to run the ball effectively. It's important to remember here they were up against the Baltimore Ravens, who are a pretty talented group defensively, as well as one of the best defenses in football, if not the best one in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Overall, though, I'm just not impressed whatsoever by Peyton Barber. I don't think he's even in the slightest bit menacing uh, for the Dolphins defense, but I am a little bit worried about Kenyon Drake. And I think if it comes down to Jacobs missing this game, Kenyon Drake will get the bulk of the work when it truly does matter now uh, the most menacing guy though as a part of this Raiders offense is none other than tight end Darren Waller Waller has been targeted at will he leads the NFL in targets with 26 on the season he is second in the NFL in receiving yards among uh, among tight ends trailing only Travis Kelsey so if you remember last year Waller over a hundred yards receiving had a field day on Eric Rowe Eric Rowe I think did a pretty decent job at stopping tight ends last season, but when it came down to stopping Travis Kelsey, when it came down to stopping Darren Waller, both of those guys were just too much for him to handle, and frankly, I can't really blame him. Waller and Kelsey are just freaks of nature. Waller is six, foot six, just a massive human. He's a tough guy to stop. Now, uh, as for the receiver unit here for the Raiders, it has solid players across the board. A lot of upside for sure, but I think there's no true wide receiver one at the moment moment. moment. Henry Ruggs was drafted as the first receiver off the board back in 2020. Again, that was ahead of players like Jerry Judy and Justin Jefferson. Ruggs possesses that 4-2 kind of speed that makes him a deep threat whenever he is on the field. Despite missing three games last year, he was still in the top 10 of catches of 40-plus yards. And then last week, Henry Ruggs recorded a massive 61-yard reception where he really just did burn everybody to the opposite end of the field. Now, wide receiver Brian Edwards is another guy to keep here on your radar. If you play fantasy football, you're probably well aware who this is. A lot of people have been hyping him up, saying that he's eventually going to be the wide receiver one for the Raiders. He just, you know, they rave about him every time during the offseason. And frankly, in the first game against the Ravens, in those final moments, he stepped up big for the team. And in last week's game, he had a nice little catch as well. It's two back-to-back weeks now with Brian Edwards having a touchdown that was was called back. So, again, pretty uh, solid receiver here. I don't think it's necessarily anybody who's in an elite category by any means, but you cannot sleep on this guy either. Now, receiver Hunter Renfro has the second most receptions on the team. He is shifty. He's a 5 foot 10 just reliable guy. Kind of reminds me of Julian Edelman in his earlier days. Very underrated guy, very capable of picking up yards after the catch. I hate to use Those uh, phrases like he's gritty and he's a a hard runner and stuff like that, but he really does kind of give off that feel when you watch him play. Overall, I think he's a pretty underrated player who probably doesn't get the respect he deserves among other players in the league. Uh, To move on to the offensive line here, this is the group that Pro Football Focus has ranked as the 27th best offensive line in football. They had a respectable outing against two menacing defenses in the Ravens and in the Steelers. In terms of the pass protection, Carr has been able to stay relatively clean, but I think he deserves more of the praise uh, for that than the offensive line does, but Carr currently leads the NFL in the amount of times he's been hurried, but the amount of times he's been hit is in the bottom quarter of starters, so again, when I'm watching him, I think he's just doing a pretty good job at getting the ball out before he gets hit, and I think that's more so on him. Again, the Raiders have struggled abysmally at getting the running game going, and that falls on the offensive line. To switch over to the Raiders' defense here, the Raiders hired Gus Bradley to be the defensive coordinator during the offseason. Bradley's defenses have had the highest rate of cover three since 2018. The Raiders added Casey Hayward to the secondary during the offseason, a guy who was with Bradley for quite a bit of time. Hayward is a two-time second-team All-Pro, and so far he's off to a tremendous start. He's surrendered only one completion on the five times he's been targeted so far. He is currently Pro Football Focus's highest rated cornerback so far. Now, if you guys don't mind me inserting some of my own thoughts here, I'm not necessarily a believer in any sort of idea that Casey Hayward is going to end up the best cornerback in football. I think he's had a pretty nice, solid string of weeks, but when it comes down to it, the guy is now 32 years old. He regressed heavily while he was with the Chargers. If he's matched up against Devontae Parker, I mean, Devontae Parker is a guy who wins most jump ball opportunities. Casey Hayward's only 5'11", and again, 32 years old. If he's matched up at any point against Will Fuller or Jalen Waddell, bless his soul. That is going to be a mismatch and he's going to get burned. So again, I give him his props for doing well this season. I'm not buying into it personally. Now, cornerback Trayvon Mullen is in his third year in the NFL. He has surrendered the most yards among the guys in the secondary for the Raiders. But frankly, I think he is showing improvement. And I'm not I'm not saying that to say that he's a liability by any means. I think he is going to do well in this system. Mullen had an interception last week and nearly had a second one. The Raiders front has been great at causing pressure. They are fifth in the league in pressures. However, they have been able to accomplish that without sending many blitzes. As a matter of fact, their 4.9 blitz percentage is the lowest in the NFL. So maybe the Dolphins will be able to get a break in terms of their offensive line, not having to worry about guys coming on a blitz. We saw the Buffalo Bills get two sacks on Tua when they sent their secondary guys in there for a blitz on Tua it doesn't look like they're gonna have to worry about that against the Raiders but there will be tough individual matchups against Yannick Ngakwe against guys like Carl Nassib against guys like Max Crosby again tough matchup the Raiders are able to cause pressure despite not sending blitzes it will be interesting to watch so to get into my expectations for this game the first expectation that I have here is that Kenyon Drake has a revenge game to some degree. I'm personally a big believer that coaches want to get their players some touches against a former team. Whether that's to fire them up or to fire up the team, I believe there's something real to the revenge game theory. So with that in mind, I expect Drake to have some sort of impact, whether that means he has over 100 total yards if Jacobs can't play, or whether that just means vulturing a touchdown at some point. I think Gruden will like to give him a little bit of extra work in this game as a kind of revenge game. My next expectation here is that the Dolphins connect on a few big passing plays along the sidelines. After watching the Ravens and the Steelers face off against Las Vegas, it's clear the Raiders leave themselves vulnerable to the big passing plays, especially on those one-on-one situations along the sidelines. Only the Kansas City Chiefs have given up more passing plays of 40-plus yards than the Raiders, and frankly, the Raiders also caught some lucky breaks, so there should have been more. So, whether Miami is forced to air it out because they're behind or not I think there should be at least some opportunities or two to capitalize especially with guys like Will Fuller or Jalen Waddle on a deep passing play the next thing is not necessarily an expectation but just something to keep in your mind just because Tua is out of this game does not mean the Dolphins have absolutely no chance Jacoby Brissett is not some backup like David Mills of the Texans who's going to come out here with his uh, tail between his legs He's been a starter. He has had some solid wins throughout his career. He is going to be competitive. It's just gonna come down to the offensive line. I reflect back to the game against the Chicago Bears back in 2018, where Tannehill was announced to be out last minute, leading for Brock Osweiler to get the start in that game. Osweiler at that point was already regarded as one of the worst quarterbacks in football, and he was up against a menacing Chicago Bears defense that was led by Khalil Mack. Mack was completely Neutralized and Osweiler ended up having over 300 yards passing in that game, something that nobody saw coming. And the Dolphins got an improbable victory. So that's one thing just to love about this sport in general is that all these guys are competitors. You can scheme up a plan against any team, and any team could win on any given Sunday. So don't expect this to be a complete blowout just based on the game from last week. The Dolphins should still be able to come here with a blank slate and do something. Here. Now, my keys to the victory. The first one that I have here is to limit Darren Waller. While last season we saw the safeties, namely Eric Rowe, do a fairly good job at neutralizing opposing tight ends, Rowe again was exposed against the elite tight ends. Last year, Waller had five catches for 111 yards against Rowe, and Travis Kelsey had 136 and a touchdown. So Waller is still very much in a league of his own at the tight end position and the Raiders are somehow targeting him even more than they did last year. He will likely be a major focus in this game and limiting him is the first step in slowing down this Raiders offense. Now the next key to the victory I have here is to create pressure and don't let the Raiders capitalize on broken plays. The Raiders have been able to chuck the ball deep downfield. They're among the top in the league in average depth of target. They're in the top of the league of air yards as well. They throw the ball deep down the field when the opportunity is there. But at the end of the day, Carr is still getting pressured. He's just able to escape it. The Dolphins send a high volume of blitzes, so I do think they have the chance to be effective in that regard. And if they are effective there, what they can't afford to let happen is to have a guy like Henry Ruggs or somebody else beat him deep down the field on a one-on-one situation. I like the idea of getting the pressure there to really wreak havoc on Derek Carr. Just make sure you're not giving up the big play when you do that. The next key to the victory I have here is to get the running backs involved in this game, even if that is in the passing game. Last year, we saw Gaskin had a breakout performance against his team. Again, a different uh, defensive coordinator, but uh, still a lot of the same players from the, uh, the defensive side of the ball. The Raiders last year surrendered the fourth most total yards to the running back position. Getting the ground game going, I think, will be important. But being able to incorporate Gaskin and Ahmed in the receiving game, I think, Is what will be crucial. My next key to the victory here is allow Ahmed or Gaskin, and for some reason, I'm thinking. Ahmed specifically to hit the hole on the inside runs it seems like in particular the area the Raiders were struggling to stop the run was on the inside we saw Tyson Williams of the Baltimore Ravens break one big through the middle we saw Lamar Jackson thrive in that area Najee Harris had the majority of his yards running it inside I don't think the Dolphins would necessarily have success running the ball to the outside but if they just have somebody hit the hole hard in the middle I think there's a decent chance they might be able to break one big there. And I mentioned Savan Ahmed in particular there because when the Dolphins went up against the Chargers last year and Gus Bradley was the defensive coordinator, the Dolphins won this game and Savan Ahmed had a terrific outing. It was the game where he had 21 carries for 85 yards and guess where the majority of his yards came? It was mostly in the center area of the field. On his inside runs, he had 58 of his yards and then the rest of them came on the more of the outside runs So that wraps up my keys to the victory. I have a new segment here that I might include in future episodes from this point forward. A lot of it will be familiar. It is the stats to know. Again, I usually refer to these throughout the episode, but just to kind of refresh, the Dolphins defense is last in the league in tackles for a loss this season with only three on the season. Another stat here is Miles Gaskin had a career high 169 total yards last year against the Las Vegas Raiders. Next stat to know here, is the Raiders are first in the NFL in yards per game but they are 31st in rushing yards per game dead last in yards per carry. Outside of Jalen Waddell and Devontae Parker the rest of the Dolphins wide receivers have totaled only 22 yards this season. Will Fuller, again I mentioned this stat pretty frequently by himself he had four catches of 40 plus yards last year in only 11 games which was just as much as the entire Dolphins. Team. The Dolphins have won their last three games when Tua was not the starter and they won those games by a margin of 87 to 20. I will say two of those again were against the New York Jets. The last stat here to know is the Raiders have the lowest blitz percentage in the NFL at 4.9%. The Dolphins have the third highest with 41%. So you have two drastically different approaches here defensively that will be showcased on Sunday. Guys, Guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source on Twitter. I would greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It really does help and mean a lot to me. If you have any topics, things that you would like for me to discuss, I would love to get more engagement with you guys and get some interesting topics and questions incorporated into more episodes. So feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and let me know that you have a question for the podcast. I will gladly discuss it on the next episode. Guys, that is how I'm going to wrap it up. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was Via the Source.